And that, that can, you know, at best, it can help reinforce certain assumptions about who we are. And at worst, it could help, you know, or, you know, give us an excuse to not change. So I think it's great to take some of these things and use them to help us understand and make sense, but also understand that there are limitations. Um, the, 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 I think that there's another um, aspect to some of these different instruments, and that aspect is correlation. It's, it's a bit like, you know, when we draw a relationship between things and you can take different qualities and correlate. So if, you know, if, if I'm, if I tend to be quiet in big groups, I am introverted. And, and these correlations, again, there are helpful because we can understand various contexts and how we might respond. But equally, we can draw conclusions that are not necessarily, you know, we speculate and they're not necessarily, you know, definitive. And then the third one, I think for me is cause and effect. Hi, and welcome to the Sunday Lunch Project Manager podcast for Sunday, the 4th of February, 2024. This is Nigel Creaser, your host. And today we've got Samreen McGregor, the leader awakener, part one of that conversation. Another great sponsor of the show it comes in the form of Air Manual. Um, Air Manual is a, well, it's a tool for documenting process, which um, and best practices. Um, uh, it's run, it's, it's a company formed by Guy, one of my uh, interviewees, uh, Alexis Kingsbury. Um, essentially, uh, and, I, and I kind of summarized why my view of where we see documentation and my experience has been, people will document something process they'll put it in a, a visio diagram that gets loaded onto a SharePoint site or something similar and then a bunch of pro- that so then once that, that diagram has been shared with senior management they're happy they have a process in the business but then the, the detailed procedures underneath it might be in with documents in, uh, just poorly kept and not linked easily and not updated and what air manual does it allows you to put in a it's a tool for doing this kind of thing you whack it in uh, the service in there, get in there, put in your process, your flow, and you build it down to as low a level of detail, even to the point of checklists where people can check off they've done it. So it creates that um, uh, guided checklists, um, easy to create, easy to maintain, and all in one place. And no one's kind of rooting around to find the SharePoint, and then when you change to new SharePoint services and all that stuff, it, it's all there. So if you pop along to nigelcreaser.com slash airmanual, um, there's a bit more detail there and a link there to click on to um, go and get. I think uh, they offer a trial and things like that. So uh, uh, it, uh, it, it's something that I think uh, can easily um, reduce the amount of errors, rework, etc. within our organisation. So um, yeah, take a look. Today, I am delighted to welcome Samreen McGregor to the show. She is an executive coach who works globally with senior leaders and teams across in industry sectors. Um, she's described by clients as having a unique ability to create the conditions leaders need to stretch beyond their perceived capabilities, make meaningful contributions, and preserve good health. 
That's a difficult one at the best of times. So we'll get into that, I'm sure. Uh, her interventions lie in a unique cross-section between business performance, behavioural change, and embodied consciousness. Uh, she is half Venezuelan. And, uh, oh, where's it gone? My screen's doing something crazy for me now, so I can't see the last bit of that. Um, we'll get into that anyway. Um, half Venezuelan, half Indian, and bilingual in English and Spanish. There we go. And in uh, in recent years, her family has been traversing a journey involving paediatric cancer. Her nine-year-old son survived a traumatic treatment of brain injury in this life experience, along with unfolding societal ramifications around COVID pandemic and the volatile socio-political economic backdrop, has deepened her personal mission towards awakening leaders into forms of prevention and healing and the healing effects from inevitable adversities of life. So, Samreen, welcome to the show. And as I said, I'd butcher that uh, intro. Yeah, you did fabulously, and thank you for, for sharing it, Nigel. It's great to be here today. It's great to have you on. Tell, tell us a little bit more background, a little bit, fill in a little bit. There was a lot of things in there. Um, yeah. Where, where are you? Where are you now? Where, where have you lived? Where family and all those sort of things? Work it, what okay, are you doing well, now? I'll start with a bit, just orienting me. Um, so I, obviously I live in the UK now and um, I am married to a British man and we have two lovely kids, amazing kids who, as you've just introduced, have been through uh, an extraordinary start in their life. Um, but I was born in Venezuela. My father's from India um, and I have lived and worked very internationally. I've studied lived and worked very internationally all throughout my life and there is a relevance to that because I do see that as one of the opportunities and really really positive aspects of me and my upbringing but I also have experienced adversities that stem from 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 not having a very clear identity so so that that's my background and uh or national background I've lived um, and worked in the UK really most of my adult life and uh, as you've mentioned I well I, I do quite a lot of extremely ex what I find very I'm very passionate about it but fascinating work um, across industries with lots of different businesses and I do have a real interest in understanding how businesses work the flow through businesses uh, what what drives and undermines performance uh, within business but equally I have a real affinity for what drives people and I'm uh, I, starting with myself using myself as an instrument I'm really curious about how behavioral change happens I uh, have studied I've experimented with and I've uh, and I've researched and trained in, in a number of, we'll probably talk about a few of them today, but a number of different facets to that, you know, from psychology to neuroscience and more recently naturopathy and embodied somatic work. And as a result of the unfolding backdrop, as you mentioned as well, I am seeing that the, the passion that I hold psychologically and behaviorally is now integrating into the body. Uh, I, I, and I've learned that throughout the last, I would say, 100 years or so, we've relied or we've, we've become reliant 
act as a species on what we do or what we think and we and and we analyze things and 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 we rely on on a, on a brilliant level of cognition that we have as humans but i've also started to tap into what our body tells us and uh there is deep stored insight that we often don't access because of a bias in 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 thinking um and i know i'm generalizing and i'm simplifying that but but there is there is quite a lot of of uh, of new um, understanding uh, in in how that works, and particularly given the backdrop and stress and trauma that we live through, and if just take a look at the the, the headlines any any day um, at the moment. You know whether it's internationally, whether it's you know the economy and the state of the economy in in, in the UK um, or globally. Understanding how to navigate some of this is becoming more and more important. Yeah, that's, there's a whole raft of things I'm going to get into on that from from hearing that, and obviously the, the one of the one of the um, the and as soon as you start talking about kind of behavioural stuff and and the sort of um, it, it opens up a lot of questions for me because it was something that as a kid many years ago doing my my um, uh, BTEC national diploma in business for some finance did. They had one section which was on motivation in organisations and a lot of things about Maslow and Hertzberg's um, mm. uh, hygiene factors, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And that from day one of reading that, it was I was fascinated by why people do stuff and how to get them to do it kind of thing. Um, mm. And I, a lot of that, since then, of reading that I've done and different things I've picked up on, have made me it made me even more complicated there's so many different models out there isn't there around behaviors and how people mm-hmm. behave whether it be um surrounded by idiots whether it be the disc profiles whether it be uh um uh oh, what's the ones where they have the plant and the, the others i can't remember belbin which is around mm-hmm. for some time or um ruth who I had on my uh podcast a few few years ago talking about um strength-based um mm-hmm. sort of building teams and things like that. How, how, do you, how do you, I'm sure that you'll have been into all of these. How do you square these all that? Because to me, sometimes I sit there going, they're very complimentary, but there's too, man, too many of them to kind of use all at once, if you know what I mean. How, does that, how, how are you using that? And how do you use it in your executive coaching? Yeah, what a great question, Nigel. And, and, it's 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 interesting because um, gosh, there's three different parts to the answer I want to give you, and hopefully this is useful for, especially for people who are wanting to understand themselves better, wanting to understand their interactions better, and you know what are those blind spots? What are those things that perfectly well-meaning people get wrong, and why they get them wrong, um, or interact? You know why tensions exist, why conflicts exist, and why certain um, dynamics get set in that don't help us uh, get closer to our objectives. And look, profiling instruments, second metric instruments, I still use them. I still use them very much. Um, I'm quite selective about how I use them because the point you make around that there being too many is, is absolutely valid. But there is, there is a richness in those options being available now, the, the sort of, the, the sort of, 
important part to understand here is that they all come from different perspectives and schools of thoughts. And I think, you know, one of the things I highlight in, in, in and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the book that I recently published, but is that there, there's a difference between uh, what Carl Jung would have, would have uh, uh, suggested um, that we are born with traits. Yeah. And some of these traits are personality traits that are based on preferences and, you know, how we prefer to do things. Some of them are actually fundamentally based on needs, but these innate qualities of us or characteristics um, uh, tend to, to, to lean on the school of what's called uh, dispositionism. So we're disposed. We, we, we are born this way. Whereas there is this, another school, which it's not necessarily in conflict with or, or at odds with, but it's just a different way of looking at it. And, and actually, in my experience, is a, is a compliment to is, is situationism. And that is what the environment around us presents us with. And those factors and conditions then enable us or disable us or undermine us or make things harder or easier. And we need to respond to them. Now, if I'm just taking that one lens, if you take a lot of these uh, profiling instruments, they will sit in one of those two classifications. Yeah. And as humans, I guess we like Simplicity, or we we strive for clarity of meaning, and and these classifications are helpful because they help us understand and they help us box something in and make us help us make sense of it. Um, but there is a limitation to classification, and actually, if you take some of the other some some specific, um, you know, Myers Briggs type indicator is probably the most commonly used individual metric. Yeah. Um, you talked about Belbin, the others, but you know it's probably the the most statistically tested and it's been used for the longest. And, you know, there's a limitation because it does tend to put you in a particular box, even though there's a spectrum and it, but it puts you in a particular box yeah. and that, that, that can, you know, at best it can help reinforce certain assumptions about who we are. And at worst it could help, you know, or, you know, give us an excuse to not change. So I think it's great to take some of these things and use them to help us understand and make sense, but also understand that there are limitations. Um, the, 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 I think that there's another um, aspect to some of these different instruments, and that aspect is correlation. It's, it's a bit like, you know, when we draw a relationship between things and you can take different qualities and correlate. So if, you know, if, if I'm, if I tend to, be quiet in big groups, I am introverted. And, and these correlations, again, there are helpful because we can understand various contexts and how we might respond. But equally, we can draw conclusions that are not necessarily, you know, we speculate and they're not necessarily, you know, definitive. And then the third one, I think for me is cause and effect. So, you know, what what is actually causing our behaviors and what's consistent about that? What's What are some of the inconsistencies that we need to question and check? And I think that there are some really, really helpful instruments. And again, I use them selectively, but those instruments are the ones that use all three of those. And they don't just classify. They don't just correlate. They don't, well, I mean, they will give you some cause and effect, but those are based on the first two. And then the final point I just want to make on this is, you know, for me, I think as my coaching profession has evolved, I've become far more interested in creating a space for people to live with the messy, to live in the gray, 
to embrace some of the things that are not as clear cut as a classification or a specific correlation between, um, you know, characteristics. And so I would say I would encourage people to be curious about them, but, but be aware of some of their limitations. That's fabulous. It's interesting that correlation, causation, cause and effect, and all that sort of thing. Uh, it's it's that thing which every ninety percent of news stories that I do here on the telly, um, I sit there going and look at it and going, um, yeah. that there are causalities being inferred from data. Um, but the, the medical industry keeps a lot of people alive, but a lot of the medical industry sort of statistics there is you do get a lot of things that are, um, uh, what's the word? It's They take the data and decide, well, actually, this is likely, more than likely. Now, sometimes that's the only way to do it because it's the only data you've got. But it's more than likely yeah. it's going to help, which is going to be caused by this. And therefore, by taking that data, doing that, right, we'll do this, we'll, will take you to the next step if it's not there that isn't it but it and it's sometimes it, you're not it isn't always a hundred percent um that direction and, 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 and it's something and I've, yeah 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 sorry sorry i interrupted i yeah. got excited no, no. <laughs> i've never done that but no no you, s- you say here <laughs> you're you, you you say what you're going to say no, no, I just wanted to build on a point there because it's very dangerous when we draw or speculate and then draw causalities. Yeah. And then particularly when you're saying it's in the media, it can, and I know we're definitely going down a rabbit hole here, but it can definitely take us down yeah. a, 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 um, and, it, and it's very influential. And so the same thing would yeah. apply to personality tests with us, with us as humans, as individuals, and also in our interactions with others. Because a lot of these yeah. uh, instruments are there to help us see more clearly and understand, but if it's based on speculative causes, we're creating an yeah. illusion that might not even be true. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that, that's that. That's the point. Is there? You'll you will see that drinking a glass of wine um, is really good for you, and then tomorrow, mm. drinking a glass of wine is the devil's juice and you're gonna it's the worst thing because there's been a study and because that study has looked at like uh, it's funny actually i wrote a little little comment on uh someone put something about ikigai and i've actually got a piece of paper on the ikigai concepts which i really liked um i went through some battles a, a few years ago and that was a concept that i was reading about i've been intrigued and kind of read the book and kind of got got the idea i liked the idea of it and read about the the guys in uh in okinawa i think it is is where a lot of it's coming from and and then i saw a document about uh, not document um documentary about blue zones these i think it's called blue zones these zones where the they seem to be people who last a lot of time and and what one of the things that they'd noticed as well is that there was a a pre-digital era in these areas to be the situation where someone will, a grandparent or parent would pass, but in order to continue collecting the pension, because if it wasn't someone local who knew them and it was state, they would collect that pension and continue to collect that pension. So when you look at that, the records of organizations of how long someone's living for, it was based on how long they're collecting their pension. 
and not necessarily how long they were alive. And so some of these, <laughs> some of that data there was, again, there's the data. We know what it is. Well, actually, when you dig down into the real data underneath and start critically analysing it, and I'm not sure that it was conclusive on that because, again, it was pre, pre-digital, so having the data to go back to and things like that. Wasn't it? But it could be that some of these people who lived for nearly 100 years were three people or at least two people who've managed to live that long. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, that's that's an, uh, just that whole thing. And then you, you're right, it's like um, that... Uh, um, that reinforcement that you get uh, from your horoscope when you read your horoscope and sometimes some of these personality things will be those reinforcements, you, the confirmation bias and all that sort of thing that you're looking at it and going, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it says I'm I, I'm as bad for it for anyone that I'll see that uh, the disc profiles and I'll see myself in that certain profile. But I also see that and you've got to use it as a tool of how you might change your behavior or how to understand someone else's behavior rather than to decide, as you say, that's me. So live with it. That's who I am. I can't change. I can't adapt because you can change. You can adapt. And just, that's a choice. It's just harder to, in some cases, if your natural tendency is to do one thing or another, that doesn't mean you're stuck with that. So it's, it's about, understand i see these things as about understanding your default understanding your preferred not your absolute yeah i love that that. makes sense and and, yes absolutely and and being really open to to understanding further and and not getting definitive and and stuck on on where we might be i absolutely agree yeah so when you're um working with executives and coaching and everything, how do you, because you're dealing with really successful people, I guess, at that level. They're, they've got to a level and they've done pretty good as they are. Um, and maybe there are things they can change. How do you have that conversation? How do you, how do you get them to, because it's not, it's coaching. It's not about you telling, isn't it? It's about mm. getting them to look at themselves differently. How do you do that? Yeah, Unless you've got a, really, a magic secret sauce that you, you don't want to share. <laughs> well, of course, I've got a secret sauce, that's for sure. But um, <laughs> it's so it's it's a really important uh, part of of the work when it comes to personal development and when it comes to recognizing something that might need to change, because actually, and first of all, defining success is important. Yeah, because success when they're in their 20s and 30s and are you know successfully um or effectively climbing in line and I say climbing because there is definitely an upwards movement metaphorically um mm-hmm. in line with their expectations their aspirations what society demands or encourages us to 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 consider as success um I think that's really important to take into account, first of all, um, because they these metrics become the criteria by which we as professionals judge whether we are good, whether we are effective, whether we are proficient. So 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 that's I think a really important starting point. And 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 my sense is that with most of the people I wor- I've worked with over the years, there have been maybe three different 
possibilities more but three i'm just trying to to, to make to, to sort of make it um you know somewhat concise one is the, the 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 sort that is really aware that whatever they're doing is not getting them to where they want to be fast enough yeah it's usually a matter of i want i want to accelerate uh the the the, the pace or i want to i want to go much further yeah so it's something about that um, the second is is an individual or a set of individuals that that are actually pretty much unaware, but they are being given the feedback either by the organisation or by a specific context um, of, of, of you know colleagues or a boss that there isn't something that's not working and that they need to change, and 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 if they don't, that there are consequences to that. And then there, there's a third, which are, are probably, and this is probably a more spiritual uh, category, uh, which are, are people who, who genuinely just have this thirst for learning and changing and developing and evolving. And, you know, and, and I would say those are roughly, you know, there's more categories, but I would say that those are roughly the ones. And coming back to your point around, you know, how, how do you get someone to accept that there is a need for them to to, to change anything in order to enhance if that you know and get if they've been successful and actually I would say that particularly of late of the last you know I would say seven to to, to, to ten years I've I've become fairly philosophical about that because you know reflecting on my own experience of of life of ambition um I'm I'm a highly ambitious person and I mean to the point where it has affected my health it's affected my relationships. Um, and I, I can definitely see these sorts of traits in, in, in people, we, whether it's ambition or whether it's, you know, um, a relentless need to prove ourselves. There's lots of versions. These are deeply rooted uh, uh, characteristics that come from our life story. Um, and, and actually, some of that even begins before we were uh, born they come from previous generations and they're carried through yeah. and uh, and i'm learning through epigenetics this is definitely something that's that's being proven more and more some of the the, the gene expression actually can transmit and transcend so the work that i do with people is to help them spend time create the space to know themselves a bit better to to really come to terms with some of those data points that typically when we're busy and we're just going through life with the rhythm that pulls us, we don't have time or the space or the awareness to notice. Yeah. it's. I suppose it's one of those things where you can lead a horse to water with some of the, some people and, at a point in time, someone's you, you've got to be ready to take on board and to make a change. And actually, I suppose it's conversations and over time and, and, and eventually mm-hmm. someone either will or won't take on board those things. I know I've got situations where I've got people working for me who aren't doing themselves any favours in certain behaviours that, that they've had. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to them, tried to talk to them about it. Um, and I can tell with some people that they don't see that there's a problem. Everyone else is the problem, <laughs> not them. And and whilst they 
it will do with as much love as possible until they're willing to recognize that that the the influence of that behavior on their on people's perception of them and upon their successes um until they realize that they can change that and they will get better results and they're willing to change it even to the situation where I've got people who've um uh they literally will cut their nose off spite their face because it's they want to be right rather than move forward and in my industry project delivery managing stakeholders negotiating i find myself apologizing for things that aren't my fault a lot yeah Mm. i apologize for the for for someone who said i i could argue it's not my fault it's something that they've done now if it's not commercial it's not contractual it's all that sort of thing i don't care but I'm, I've, mm. I've got to that point. I don't mind. I prefer to move forward than have a big fight about something that I'm not that fussed about. Yeah, I, I kind of, I, I, I'll take the little bit, and, and I think it's. But some people can't do that and won't do that, and I understand why they won't, because when it's right, it's right, and there are some people out there who take advantage of that. Um, uh, it, they're just in it. They're just irritating and out of principle. They just wind people up, and we shouldn't have to stand for, for that. But it's time, kind of choosing your battles sometimes, isn't it? Um, it? I just find it that willingness to learn, that constant learning, is so powerful for us all. Because when we realise we're always wrong, or realise that we could always be wrong, we always mm. make sure that what we're doing is the right thing. Yeah, and, and just oh. it's not a weakness; it's a strength. Because if you do, do that reflection, you realise actually, am I am I doing the best? And the in, in, imposter syndrome under, that sits out there in a lot of scenarios, and um, it, you see a lot of talk about it at the moment. And that is kind of that's the fundamental there. It, it's questioning yourself, but actually, is that something? Actually, it's it's healthy scepticism. Rather, once as long as it's healthy skepticism about your own decisions, rather than debilitating, stop it saying I can't do anything. Then that's right. That's what we need, isn't it? Everyone needs that because you, other because we're not always right. Some people, I'm sure, are listening to the same. Well, I am, but there you go. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I agree with you. I think that need for for questioning and um the ability to step back and, 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 you know, see more than one side, see more than our own side is, is definitely, uh, uh, you know, in high demand, let's put it that way, particularly in workplaces and project environments. I'm very familiar with the negotiation that goes on in pro- project environments. You know, there's always the need to, to, you know, to deliver within finite resources and, budget and time so that there will always be a a need for negotiation now i i would i would say certainly in my own experience of working in project environments in any workplace environment it would probably be consistent is that there is a layer a very um clear layer and it's quite a thick layer i would say at which we interact with one another and that layer is very task focused and we each 
are actually, we get hired to do a, a job. Most of us, I would say, yeah. show up in that job or in that, you know, performing tasks that we want to do well. And I would also say that most of us want to collaborate to do well at, at, at a, you know, at, at that level, at that sort of superficial level. What in my experience, and certainly what I'm learning more and more, is that some of the deeper layers, which are infused with the muscle memory of the fabric of the organization or the or the uh, you know the industry that you might be working with, um, infused with politics, infused with what we each bring as individuals, a big heavy bag filled with rocks mm-hmm. made up life experience and some of those are strong deeply stuck emotions that may have actually been true in a previous time as children or throughout our life has an impact on how we then interact at that level at that task level and I think some of the things that you were saying there I mean I I recognize so many of them in fact I was talking to somebody just yesterday in, in a in a an organization that I'm working with. I'm I'm doing a management development pro- program. I'm, I'm part of a team, and we were we were specifically talking about the fact that she, you know, she 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 sees the the, the reports. She's got two reports only. She sees them as extremely talented. You know, she doesn't understand why she's going to a management program because actually the two people that report to her are probably more experienced than she is and she really really sees them as 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 you know very very high potential people um and and then I said you know so so who what other people do you do you deal with and she said well I've got a lot of stakeholders and and I said so and how would you describe the process of interacting with them and she goes well I've got to make sure that they get things done and you know there are a few things that actually cause the biggest issues and there are only a few, but they cause a lot of stress and they cause a lot of delay and they cause a lot of, of obstacles. And so we started to have this conversation about well, what gets in the way. And actually, when it came down to it, it's a lack of real connection between her and some of these stakeholders. She doesn't really know what, you know, what where they stand on certain things, but actually she doesn't know them. You know, she they're, they're just focusing on the task and the negotiation between the tasks. And and she said, well, actually, what I'm learning is I, I I need to spend a bit more time just just understanding them as humans before we we'll force we force our own needs onto each other in those tasks. And I would say that that Nigel is really what underpins a lot of these unnecessary energy 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 forces that pull us apart rather than pull us together. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I can hear that. It's, it's, it's a, I've, it is that situation where you, where I've, um, and I hop back to a project from some time ago where I was running the project and I'd come into it and they'd been having trouble with this project for quite a few years, actually trying to get it done, different ways of doing it. And, um, there was two different organizations, um, that were essentially having a pitched battle. Mm. And it just escalated over time to the point where it, it, if one said it, that that wall, the sky was blue, the other would say it was green. It just got to that, almost that level of, because they weren't able to listen to the others so mm. much. And we, 
and and they they didn't care about the other's um, mm. uh, point of view. They didn't care about their problems. It was them being unreasonable. It was all that kind of thing. And we ended up having quite a big. We, it was quite a big team of people. Thirty people workshop. We pulled together about right. This is this thing. We're breaking it down into pieces. This is how we're going to do it right. You from that organization, you from that organization, you from that organization, you're looking at that bit. And we kind of broke them into groups to go and solve the problem mm. and solve the problem together. So they both all had their own context about, well, what happens? So work it out, explain how it's going to happen, what happens, what are the problems? And what it ended up doing, there was still some personality clashes in there, but what it did actually do is break down so that the people within the one organization knew more about what the people in the other organization were doing. Yeah. And them doing this meant this to them. And that's why that was hard for them. And them doing this meant it was hard. For them. And they got that conversation going and those, those stakeholder conversations that at that, not at that senior management level, this is a, um, an operational level in some ways. By doing that, these guys then started clicking and started working and started making allowances from each other. It was partly relationship building of taking them out of the normal uh, environments they were in, but also that exposing them to each other's roles. And like yeah. you say, it's about understanding that person. That, and, and where one person saying, when you do that at half past four, that means I'm not home till seven o'clock and I don't see my kids. Mm. That mm. When people start to see those kind of impacts, they start to think, oh, yeah, hang on a minute. I really need this as happen for. Ring them up and go, I'm sorry. We really need mm. it. I know you're gonna, it's going to cause you a problem. Rather than, why aren't you doing it? And, it? and it changes that dynamic. And it's so critical for all of us, I think, that we... We think about, and I, I'm I'm as guilty as anyone of sitting there going, bloody idiots, why aren't they doing it right? Why aren't they doing what I'm doing? Why are they taking so long? Why are they doing that? And then you have to sit back and go, hang on, let's think why. Okay, I understand why. How can I help? How Am I causing the problem or am I helping? And, and it's hard to do yeah. because we're all under pressure to deliver. Another great sponsor of the show comes in the form of Air Manual. Um, Air Manual is a, well, it's a tool for documenting process, which um, and best practices. Um, uh, it's run, it's, it's a company formed by Guy, one of my uh, interviewees, uh, Alexis Kingsbury. Um, essentially, uh, and, I, and I kind of summarised why my view of where we see documentation a lot of my experience has been people will document something a process they'll put it in a, a visio dome and that gets loaded onto a SharePoint site or something similar and then a bunch of pro- that so then once that, that diagram has been shared with senior management they're happy they have a process in the business but then the, the detailed procedures underneath it might be in word documents in, uh, just poorly kept and not linked easily and not updated and what Air Manual does it allows you to put in a it's a tool for doing this kind of thing. You whack it in, uh, the service in there, get in there, put in your process, your flow, and you build it down to as low a level of detail, even to the point of checklists where people can check off they've done it. So it creates that um, uh, guided checklists, um, easy to create, easy to maintain, and all in one place. 
and no one's kind of rooting around to find the SharePoint. And then when you change to new SharePoint services and all that stuff, it, it's all there. So if you pop along to nigelpreeser.com slash airmanual, um, there's a bit more detail there and a link there to click on to um, go and get, I think uh, they offer a trial and things like that. So uh, uh, it, uh, it, it's something that I think uh, can easily um, reduce the amount of errors, rework, etc. within our organisation. So um, yeah, take a look. Well, I hope you enjoyed part one of that conversation and come back next week. Have a listen to part two. Speak soon. Bye. Uh, hope you enjoyed that. But are you thinking, ooh, I wonder what the next bit's going to be? Yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? Um, you heard at the beginning of the show where I said uh, there's a way around that. So if you're really itching and you want to hear the next bit of uh, this show, uh, jump down to Patreon, have a look, find the one that's got a little lock on it, click on it, and you'll be able to get the second half uh, along with the first half all together. And you you won't get this annoying bit or the annoying bit at the beginning that I just uh, done as well. Um, so, yeah, give it a go. It's only a price of a coffee. Cheers. So this is my final wrap-up. Every week you're going to hear this. You're going to get bored of it. But you can always click next podcast, if so. Um, If you have enjoyed it, if you've listened to this podcast to the end of this uh, show and you think that was great, I'd love to be able to help Nigel out. Um, There are loads of ways you can do it. Um, The the first and and obvious way is to um, share the podcast send it out to people um if you if you know colleagues and friends who'd benefit from it you think they'd enjoy it just send them the link grab one of the links send, or send them to www.nigelcreaser.com slash podcasts that's www.nigelcreaser.com slash podcasts and that will push them over to a um a link tree link and it's got all of the different ways they can consume the the podcast uh if you are feeling generous and have a big bag of cash you could grab a copy of one of my books obviously um uh, they're available in all the usual places and print and 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 digital again jump on the website uh, www.nigelcreaser.com shop and that will give you a list of all the different ways that you can contribute um and, and grab copies of the book also got Um, links to all my guests books on there as well where I get a little bit of a kickback from them Um, if you are of a sporting mind um, I have a number through doing some of my uh, judo and and running uh, antics Uh, I've managed to secure a few um, uh, affiliate links and affiliates uh, there as well so in there somewhere in the sponsors page there's links to those as well so clicking onto those and grabbing uh, your if you're with it if you're looking to uh, get super fit then that would be fabulous as well and i get a little kickback from those uh, i have a patreon account it's patreon.com slash sunday lunch pm 
so again, you can ping something in there, buy me a coffee or whatever. And finally, obviously the most important is coming back, coming back, listen again, um, because uh, the more of you that come back, uh, the more uh, visibility I get because there's more times that it's downloaded and all the SEO works and things like that. So yeah, that's it. So uh, if you can help me out, I would be much appreciated. If you can't, don't worry about it. Thank you very much. Cheers now. Bye. My latest, uh, the, the, the latest affiliate that I've got on the show now is Riverside. Um, I use Riverside to do my interviews, Riverside FM. Um, <clears throat> it kind of offers you a whole, if you like, micro studio management producer tool and, and, and goes beyond that. Has a really good free layer. <clears throat> and I, um, I've been using it for a while now. I find it really good when I've had issues, even though I'm not on one of the higher paid levels, the support has been quick, responsive and, and, and of high quality and, and people keen to help me. Uh, the organization seems really good. The product seems really intuitive um, and uh, quality is really good as well. And they, it's, it's a clever way of doing it is when you're, you're recording through your browsers, so you've not got loads of desktop resources being used compared to some other products that I've used. Um, and what they also do is they do a, um, they stream a, a lower quality version of it up onto uh, as you're doing the interview. So you're not burning bandwidth while you're doing the interview and potentially uh, impacting on the quality of the conversation. Uh, and then at the end, it uploads it, uh, the, the higher quality from your browser. Um, I mean, it, it's just a really good way of doing it. So um, if you are um, thinking of doing a podcast and you're supposed to do a podcast, I, I would recommend using this tool. I find it really good. Best, best of the tools that I've tried using um, today. And you can get that nigelcreaser.com slash riverside and that will redirect you to uh, my kickback page uh, on their site and there I will get a little kickback uh, from there. So um, take a look. Thanks. Well, it's goodbye from me, Nigel Creaser, and it's goodbye from him, the Sunday Lunch PM. Goodbye.